three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Not much. Excited to talk about uh, our first, I think, legit mummy connection episode. Yay! I'm so excited. Um, Listeners, you don't know this, but now you will. This is our third episode we're recording in a row. <laughs> so if we're a little uh, punchy, I apologize. <laughs> I also just had to raise up our blood sugar a bit. <laughs> True. I feel like the uh, the inclusion of our mummy actor, like we've been excited for since we started the show just because we already knew he was coming. And I think specifically this season with the introduction of uh, of Hive, of Alvius, because his effect is very much like the mummy effect. And we, mm-hmm. when we mentioned that, uh, it, it got us thinking, oh, wait, we got our mummy guy coming this very season. So I, know. I wonder if anyone thought about that. <laughs> and we're like, we got to get John Hanna in here. <laughs> I kind of hope so. I hope that that's... that's what made it made them i don't see rachel vice doing a a, a show like this just because she's like so big time now and then brenda brendan frazier hasn't been in the hollywood scene for like quite a while now so he wasn't around he wasn't available so it feels like it was the next best choice but he really fit he suits this role really well so well and for some reason after a certain point he uh brendan frazier's been uh, he's been back for a year. Um, he's in what do you call it? Doom Patrol now. Yeah, yeah. But in, was, tw- in 2016, when this was, or I guess 2015, when this was being made, he was not active, right? No, I don't think he was. And I think the only things he had done all pretty much for for a long time were either super like kids movies mm-hmm. or really really serious stuff like Gods and Monsters or Crash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a remake of Bedazzled that totally has none of the soul of the original and is just weird and, and sort of for kids, but also all about how uh, all about objectifying uh, Elizabeth Hurley, and and yet then also did like really really serious like Oscar fare. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's it's kind of weird, but but now he's back and uh, sort of back to mummy esque roots with Doom Patrol. It's I mean doing a, a pulp. Uh, you know, serial movie uh, uh, redone in the modern day, sort of like doing a comic book, yeah. comic book show. I, I highly recommend Doom Patrol as well. That and he, he and um, uh, was uh, Matt Bomer are really, really great in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, and our our comic book guy Alan Tudyk. I think I was like, <laughs> oh I'm yeah, I've definitely mentioned him being on the show before since he's on our list. Oh my god, I love. Him. Yeah, on our, we haven't done that in a while. We haven't gone through and like calculate, you know. Well, I don't think it feels like there hasn't been any anyone who's like done, done one who's got a huge list. Like mm-hmm. it's worth adding to or whatnot. I mean, at this point, Alan Tudyk's list is like it's easier just to think of the comic book characters he hasn't played. <laughs> he's done so many. Wow, he's played Bruce Wayne's cousin uh, regularly on uh, on the Vanessa Hudgens show. Uh, what was it <laughs> Powerless? <laughs> her DC show that ran on NBC for a season. That was a thing. <laughs> oh, all right. Like re- recently. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Someone, there was an article that came out like somewhat recently, like in light of the whole the Me Too movement about Brendan Fraser and like kind of like why he stopped acting. And 
he talks, I think he talks about like how he was kind of like, um, like sexually assaulted or something like that, or like someone like, like grabbed his butt or something like that. And like, was like, 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 and went a little bit further than that. Like, I did not realize that. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. Let me try to find the article really quick. I feel like it was in like New York times or, or something. Uh, Oh, it's GQ. That's the good. That's there's, there's a lot of good from uh, taking routine breaks from uh, being online, but I feel like every once in a while I'll miss something like that that I think yeah. usually I would pay attention to. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's GQ. Um, and uh, so Philip Burke, he's the former president of the Hollywood Press Association. Um, apparently he did something. He oh. like inappropriately touched Frazier. And I guess like he talked about it in his, talked about it in a memoir but Frazier's like no no it went far way further than what he said um and yeah he like I don't know like he he wanted to go public with it but he just never did um and I think he was kind of blacklisted or he said he became like depressed sorry I'm like trying to read this and like trying to like talk about this no worries. It's, it's um, just really it is a very that's just, it's so sad. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm I'm glad that like I I feel like off the top of my head, like there's so few actors, uh, male actors who actually do come forward. Like you know that happens a lot to them as well. Like not as not as frequently as as women, but we, we know we just know it happens. It's a predatory industry, and people take advantage of whatever they can. But it's just like. Other than like Anthony Rapp and and um, Terry Crews, I can't really think of anyone else, any other men in the public eye coming out and saying it. And yeah, it's 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 got to be extra weird because of that added layer of of like, homophobia and weird like toxic masculinity, where it's like, well, there's something wrong with you if that happened to you, or if you talked about it. Like like yeah. like either like either way, it's just. It's a really screwed up narrative for sure. No, no more screwed up, just differently screwed up than how we suppress women from speaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it sucks because the Hollywood um, uh, Foreign Press Association are were like, <laughs> they are like, oh, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser's career was already on the decline. Like we had nothing to do with it. Like, but like, I don't know, like. It, the line was his career declined through no fault of ours. <laughs> why even say it? <laughs> like, why? like the only reason to say that is defend the the guy who sexually harassed him. I know. And so like it was a combination of that and he, like um like physically, like from doing so many like kind of like I guess physical comedy where he's like kind of getting himself hurt a lot on scene in in the scenes is like um like it just kind of like he's like physically like injured quite a bit like he has like back problems and like knee problems i think and so it was just i never even thought about that but that's true like all those kid movies like furry vengeance or george the jungle or whatever like he's got to be like like hurting himself getting yeah you know just like knocking himself against walls and all kinds of things like but but yeah and so yeah i remember that because i think yeah i just it's very sad. I'll I'll try to link this in the show notes just because it's important to read, I think, because you're right. It just like not enough. There's men are victims of sexual assault and not enough for it. And 
the depression and like mental health issues that come after that are super real. And um, like he feels like his depression like contributed a lot to his just disappearance <laughs> from, I don't know. No, I'm sure that's, that's true. That's, that's a, that's really sad. I did not realize that weird, yeah. sad digression to start us off for sure. I know. I know. Um, but yeah. So anyway, before we get, fully started after that very sad digression um we are a part of the but why though podcast community check them out on twitter and but why though pc before we get started we are a part of the but why though podcast community so be sure to check them out on twitter and but why though pc um and uh their website but why though podcast.com we're super proud to be a part of their community um so this is season three episode 18 titled the singularity which i <laughs> Very strange title, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, The way it relates to the story is super weird. Yeah, it's just like, I don't don't know. Maybe it relates in a different way, but I don't feel like it does a conversation between their relationship, but who knows. Anyway, uh, written by Lauren LaFranc, directed by Gary A. Brown, familiar names, and then originally aired April 26th, 2016. Um, So, as if you don't remember daisy is indoctrinated and infected by hive and so she's gone and the base was destroyed by her quaking and um now they're trying to recover so mac is walking around looking very in charge because injured and um (laughs) he walks up to lincoln and lincoln's looking at this panel on the wall and um mac's like what's going on here and lincoln's like it just needs a quick reboot and he zaps it and it magically works again which made my roll my eyes so hard because we've seen this multiple times now in the show where lincoln is lightning for whatever he wants and it just works like rebooting someone's brain it's fine Everybody's kind of like, well, why are we still alive? And May's like, he obviously doesn't care about Shield Hive, doesn't care about Shield because Daisy just left us here. Like she could have killed all of us, but she just, you know, it's like she didn't want us to follow her because the hangar doors are jammed shut. Um, and um, Mac is asking me, like, or yeah, Mac is asking me, like, where's Colson? She's like, he's already on the Zephyr, he's ready to go. And Mac's like, we can't get out. The hangar doors are jammed halfway shut. Like. And she's like, Colson has another way out, but it's both irresponsible and dangerous. (laughs) And so they all get on the Zephyr and they're going to go after Daisy. And um, May turns the Zephyr sideways to get out, which we've seen a lot of crazy shots of like different airplanes and things like that on the show. And it was it was very well done. It was very cool. Um, I don't think it's like physically possible, but it was still cool. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In real life, like they didn't even have the thing like like the magical anti-gravity you know helicarrier uh jets or whatever propeller yeah. deals they didn't even have them like rotate no like, just they like, still uh, were facing yeah per- uh, perpendicular to the ground as it as the ship changed like like, like they it seems like it's designed for them to rotate to where they would still be facing the ground and would lift it up but like they didn't think that through it, it, i don't know yeah no matter what it looked rad even yeah. though i was thinking the same thing i was like there's no way that would really ever happen, but I think it yeah. sort of makes sense still for the show. Like it was one; it didn't, it didn't take you out. It didn't like break willing suspension of disbelief, but oh. it was also one of those things that was so preposterous that on some oh, level, yeah. a lot of times <laughs> it's hard not to think about it. Oh, for sure. Um, and Hive and Daisy are chatting in this area where I guess um, 
Daisy, when she was still living in her van, would go and park her van and sleep. And um, she's like, oh, you remember that? Because I, that's what I told my SO. Like, you're still in there somewhere. And ugh, he's so gross. I can't – like, he's not even Ward anymore, and he's still gross. Like, he's even more gross. And this whole exchange between um, – and Gemma is talking about – how she suggests that Hive um, somehow activates the like pleasure center of the brain. And so he's getting his victims addicted to him. Like they feel this, this high um, when he's connected to them. And she starts talking about um, how they need a cure to this infection. And they know of a guy named Dr. Radcliffe and he's a transhumanist, which he um, actually, he used to work for Hydra or something like that. And he started doing these like really unethical experiments. And so they kicked him out. And so now he's hiding in Romania somewhere. So they have to go find him. Um, and um, Gemma, in the scene, at the very end of the scene, Gemma and Fitz are like, we need to talk. And they're trying to pretend like they're like not together. They're like, oh, Dr. Simmons and oh, Dr. Fitz. And like <laughs> pretending they had like didn't just make out. And like every time someone walks by, they get like a little bit more official. And it's so lame, but they're such nerds, but it's still really cute. <laughs> well, it feels like it's... It's believable, but it's also so. It's one of those like really sitcom esque moments because oh, yeah. the people who don't know them aren't going to care. No. People who do know them are going to be thrilled for them. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, like, yeah. Um, is none. <laughs> yeah. It's just like one of those like, oh, it's a weird work romance. We can't let anybody know. We still have to work together. Like, we're, oh, well, and, our, we're being very professional. <laughs> I feel like it's extra believable because they're so, even though they, we've talked a lot about how much they've grown, they're still. Big, they're just like goofy that. kids, yeah. yeah. Like, like they're just awkward nerds. Like, like so, them it, it, anything new is going to make them uncomfortable. Thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and May uh, Fitz leaves, and May comes, um, gives Gemma a gun, and they just have. She's like, you know, um, trust your, you know, trust this, and she's pointing at her belly, and Gemma's like, what do you, what do you trust? What, what are you talking about? And she's like, trust your gut. Like, if you need it, you need it. Like, take it if you need it. And so Gemma takes it, and they just have this moment where they just like exchange a look of like this like intimacy and closeness and it was like just that moment between them was really powerful like what they've been through together and like what they know about each other and how they each other through this last season is like really amazing and I just love their relationship I'm really glad that they've allowed these different the each character has a different relationship with one another and the show has explored all of them I think almost all of them I don't know that. I haven't gone through and looked, <laughs> to be honest. But it feels it feels like they do, like at least to some extent. Like 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 they're not all the most developed relationships by the you know by where we've left off. I feel like May and Yo-Yo aren't like the closest characters or whatever. But they, but they still have a connection and respect for each other. And there are scenes and episodes where they explore that. Like, yeah, and I think like in season six, especially, I think a like a different connection in those in those at least the episodes that i've seen so far um but but yeah um i don't know and it's it's very realistic like may's relationship with mac is obviously going to be different than it is with daisy than Gemma, than fitz like you know everybody has a different like they they show a different side of themselves based on who they're talking to and like their relationship with them and it's very real and i don't think a lot of shows do a good job of that <laughs> the character is like who they are all the time and it never nothing ever another character doesn't bring something out of them necessarily that is different or yeah like i think i think that that's that that's what makes i think other shows fall short a lot of time whether they're 
comedies or or serious or whatever, they I, I think they far too often like get more and more exaggerated as time goes on. And so it's like they they become less realistic. Like yeah. they become the broader and broader versions of themselves. And it's really it's something that I think Shield does really well and and in a really different direction. Um the the sitcom Shits Creek. Yeah. Like it started off, they were such big cartoony like characters. And I think with the premise of the show and the nature of the improv comedy and stuff, like it all makes sense for them yeah. to be like that. I literally just started watching that last night. For the- <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. As it goes though, like it, it like now I think five seasons of air, there's they're gonna air a, a final sixth one starting I think this fall or this was winter. But it honestly it's like the character of Alexis is like more well rounded than characters on dramas. Like, oh, like she's more of a well like realized character I'm like no she's totally three-dimensional she's real and i don't even hate her anymore like when it started yeah. she's like a parody of paris hilton or whatever yeah I'm like oh god she's awful but now i'm like i i would die for any one of them if they were real <laughs> like, oh, like, like, i love that because they're just they're they're wonderful i like gosh moira rose her character <laughs> I, I i i did you see the uh the paul rudd thing yes talking yes. about it yeah. he's such a huge fan like the way he talked about it one just cool to see a celebrity like in, a talk about something you enjoy yeah. so much but it also it also reminds me distinctly of uh, our guy we our favorite guy to bash uh, tom cruise yeah like I, I i i know i just found the link to it but there was someone wrote a really really funny like uh tweet or like maybe even a little a whole article about uh i don't think tom cruise has ever seen a movie because someone asked him in this interview like <laughs> What's your favorite movie going experience? And it sounds like an alien who does desperately wants to fool he's people to into thinking. Yeah, he's like, like, like oh, I, t- <laughs> oh, I can't pick one movie going experience because going to the movies is so great. I love going to the movies. All I all I want to do is go to movies, and all my great movie memories are about going to the movies. <laughs> Don't you love to go to the? It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, like that, not only I've never seen a movie. Like, like I think somehow. The world's biggest movie star doesn't even know what movies are. Oh <laughs> like, like, God, he's so fucking weird, man. He's so weird. He couldn't aunt, like just say ET. Said <laughs> <laughs> anything. Godfather. Like, you could have made something up. Popcorn. <laughs> like you don't even have to say a movie. You could have just said any actual tangible thing about the experience. <laughs> but it was like it was it was like a a kid trying to write a book report based on the back cover, but yeah, yeah. they forgot the book. And yeah. it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like I don't even know what the back cover says. <laughs> like, yeah. But but I, I feel like uh no no, no the the love of of uh, of Shit's Creek, the 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 Paul Rudd, I think, is apparently making people want to watch it, which is amazing. Yeah, but it, it, it's it, it just felt like the in exact inverse to, the, to yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise's bullshit answer to that question. It's like, <laughs> oh no, he he really does love that show. Like, here's all the reasons and specific details about the show proving yeah. he has absolutely seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the show that I've watched my at home on my it, couch. <laughs> my favorite thing about it is that it's a show. Can you believe <laughs> that we've watched it? It's so good. <laughs> now it's on? Oh my god. That actually makes me feel better because, like, not the thing about Tom Cruise, but <laughs> you say about, like, the characters on that show because when I was watching, I was watching it last night because I'm like, oh, this is probably one of those shows that I can watch, like, while I'm doing something else. I was making dumplings, uh, sitting on my couch, on, you know, making dumplings by hand, just having something to do with my hands. Um, 
And I was like, okay, I get why people like this show, but I don't know if it's like my cup of tea because it just seemed very like one dimensional. It was funny. Like, oh, no, like there's an episode because like, uh, uh, the main character based on um, Dan uh, or, or, or who co-created it uh, with, with Eugene Levy, uh, Dan Levy's uh, character, David mm-hmm. is based a little bit on like, like on him. I think he's openly bisexual and mm-hmm. there's a character who he starts dating who has like one of the best coming out episodes because he has to come out to his parents oh. like and like and I, it was shocking how like sweet and earnest and good it was like without feeling at all heavy handed. I'm like, how is this the same? Like you said, like the same show <laughs> where its first episode has Chris Elliott. But and yeah. and I, I will admit too, while everyone else shows a lot of growth and is like actually a well realized character, Chris Elliott's the exact same. <laughs> like, the most- <laughs> Okay, like fair. He has not changed. Roland shit yeah. is the same man. Oh my god! <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> they're all, they're all great. All up, okay. Yeah, makes me feel better. Yeah, because I was like, I don't know if I want to keep watching this, or maybe this is just something I put on like when I'm like doing work or something. But now that you say that, I'm ex- I'm like, okay, I can keep going <laughs> and actually watch it. Um, all right, back to Shield. Um. <laughs> So Hive and, and Daisy are still talking and he calls her Sky and she's like, my my name is Daisy now. And he's like, oh, well, Ward knows you as Sky. And she's like, well, I changed it. <laughs> and she's <That's>, just like. <laughs> well, that part was interesting, too, because it's like. It's showing part of what they've been explaining, like with the, the Fitz and, and Simmons scenes, like the, mm-hmm. they're not they're not zombies. They're not mindless. No. But they are still not really in their right mind. Like it's very interesting because she's because why would she care if she was totally devoted to him completely, or whatever? But it's it's no. It's like that she's doing what he says. Her pleasure center is on overload, but she's still herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she like starts talking about her life and like how she parents and she was looking for them and then she found them and it didn't work out how she planned and and she just keeps like rambling. She's like, I don't even know why I'm telling. You. And um, he and Hive is like, it's because of our connection now. Um, and, um, he talks about how, like, yeah, you know, like shield thinks that like, I'm trying to build an army because they're in the wrong mindset. And Daisy says, there's no need for war when everyone shares a common, which is kind of frightening <laughs> when you put it like that. Cause he wants to basically hive mind the world, um, and give, make them all connected. Uh, and then she like snuggles on him and it's really gross and it makes me vomit. Even though it's not technically Ward, it's still Ward. Um, yeah, he's still in a Ward suit. So yeah, it's not he's in a Ward suit. Um, which sucks because he's very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks really great in a suit. Like an actual suit, not a Ward suit. Um, and so uh, Coulson's in his office and um, he's talking to Talbot. And Talbot has something on and he's like, oh, you're on your own. And Talbot's like, I'm on my own. Clicks the line off like right as he's yelling at him and being peak Talbot. <laughs> And um, May walks and she's like, you didn't tell him about Daisy. And he's like, no, I didn't. Um, thing we need to do on our own. Um, and Coulson suspects that Hive is going to go after the um, from afterlife, like Alicia, the one who can like cha- make, make doubles of herself. And so they need to go after the inhuman while it gets to them. Um, meanwhile, in Romania, Fitz and Gemma are undercover. They're at a club, um, which basically operates as like a transhumanist black market. Um, and they're going undercover. And so Mac is on comms. And um, <laughs> before they do that, they're in the hotel room. And um, 
and Mac is like, okay, if you're going to go undercover into this swanky club, you really need to dress the part. Like, you know, no, you know, scientist lab coats. And they, and, and, and Gemma and Fitz get really offended. And Gemma's like, uh, you think scientists just wear lab coats all the time? Are we wearing lab now? <laughs> just like going off about this. And Fitz is, or Mac is just like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just get on with the mission. Um, and they do dress up very snazzy and they're into club. And apparently a lot of people are wearing cybernetics. Uh, Mac can change the, the imaging on Fitz's glasses to like see through people. I don't know what it is. Some shield tech, whatever. X- uh, it's X-ray specs, I guess. X- yeah, I guess. But anyway, a lot of people are heavily identified in this. Um, meanwhile, Lincoln wants to be the one to go after Alicia because they're friends and she comfortable with him and colson says lincoln can only come if he wears this suicide vest thing and he gives may the trigger to it like if he gets infected by a hive she can blow him up and she's no, no, like, no, it's so funny because he says like is it a suicide vest vest and then colson says no may has the trigger you don't and he goes so it's a murder vest and that was the <laughs> thing lincoln has ever said on the show I, I, I laughed at that one but like murder vest is pretty good oh if we titled our episodes this episode <laughs> her best because it's great um <laughs> and um you know lincoln's or colson's like you know this is your choice you don't have to come on the mission but if you come like you have to take this risk that you could get blown up by the murder vest <laughs> <laughs> nobody's gonna put the murder vest on you but <laughs> it's here if you want to take it yeah so he goes with them and they go to may and colson are in shield suv and may wants to know what's expected of her if daisy won't come quietly and um and colson's like obviously we won't kill her daisy is not andrew which wow i can't believe you said that dude um and she's like excuse me like i shoot where point because you're the director i didn't ask for the kill switch to lincoln's vest because somehow sacrificing him is okay with you and then he starts to be like oh yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry and she's like you know what i'll do your dirty work phil but don't you dare pretend like your hands are clean which i was like clap 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 because someone needed to say it and i'm glad it was may (laughs) um i don't particularly know why like all of a sudden very like explosive with him about this kind of stuff but she's definitely feeling like some kind of way about how are you okay yeah sorry about that uh (laughs) no i i feel like maybe i don't know is she figuring out that there's more to what happened because like we talked we talked about a couple times how she thought she knew what he meant but she didn't really know what he meant yeah and you mentioned that like he's still kind of revenge obsessed even though he thinks that's what's bothering you. Like, I don't know if he, maybe he's just wearing that on his sleeve. Or maybe he's just making it all about him and just like not taking into account. And obviously that line of Daisy is not Andrew. So inflammatory. Like you say that like, yeah, he should never have said that. Like there's no, no reasonable explanation. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, that was just a mistake. Like it's not, it's not impossible. Characters uh, should, should make mistakes or whatever. But at the same time, it's yeah, man. Yeah, no, that was loaded. <laughs> yeah, well, and it seems like she was kind of being antagonistic for that because she was just like, "Okay, am I supposed to kill Daisy if it comes down to it?" Because I don't, I, I don't quite understand like what your plan is here. Um, you're just doing, you're not thinking, <laughs> which that's what he tends to do with Daisy because he has like fatherly feelings for her. So what she why. even says like later on in this episode, right? Like you're not her dad. Yeah, yeah. 
And he's like, yeah, but she's the closest thing I have to a daughter. Which is really sweet, but like, God, complicated. Um, anyway, so Alicia meets Lincoln in the garage and he's like, oh, have you seen Daisy? Has like, ha- have you seen anybody? And she's like, no, but word has already gotten to her <laughs> because uh, suddenly one of her doubles pops up and, and, and attacks lincoln and she says she as she's going to go kill lincoln or do i guess take lincoln in because they want lincoln because he's human she's like there's no reason to stay loyal to humans they're a lesser species and may comes out and says lesser species my ass and attacks her and this response made me very uncomfortable because there's such like racist xenophobic vibes in this exchange like i was just like oh this makes me uncomfortable i don't like this but also it's like so quick and it's over really quickly that like i don't i don't know it's messy but oh i don't know yeah no (laughs) and it's something that i think immediately makes like inhuman or mute metaphors in these stories it can become really dicey like especially in something like this like and here you have beings who objectively have superpowers so they are genetically like in a way superior they're at least different Mm -hmm. and in this case it's two white people (laughs) and it's just like right it's guys like come on man i don't know about this (laughs) this whole situation is very messy because i mean like the asian woman comes in who is very men like physically and is able to take her out i don't know no and she (laughs) happens to be the one like he sat down to and was yeah. like, let's make this awesome. Yeah, sort it's just of have weird racial implications, but it does. Yeah, it, it just made me uncomfortable. Um, so anyway, eventually Alicia takes out May, and um, Lincoln has one of her doubles and is like, I'm gonna kill her, like, you know, please don't kill May. And Alicia shoots her double in the head, and she's then, about to shoot May, yeah, she's about to shoot May, but she turns around and she shoots her double in the head before Lincoln can kill her, and then May shoots her. Wait, May shoots her or Lincoln shoots her? I don't remember. So Neither. Uh, Coulson does. Oh, Coulson does? I forgot about Coulson. Col- <laughs> Coulson. Uh, well, well, it's because he wasn't in the Yeah. He shows up later, And right? he doesn't really interact with, with, with Lincoln after. Like, 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 they just show him like in the doorway. Like Lincoln is shocked uh, yeah, that yeah, the yeah. other Alicia gets taken out. I did uh, not write down the notes very well for this because I didn't even notice that. Because well, May, <laughs> May, I think is maybe unconscious. If she's not unconscious, she's not up yet. She right. and she did, and she's unarmed. So she's still on the ground and she's got the and Alicia's like pointing the gun at her and you hear the second gunshot and Lincoln's like shocked and then it pans over and I felt like that was sort of like meant as the response to the you know you you, you your hands aren't clean too like like that's yeah. that sort yeah. of his apology to May almost is like I got that's your back true. and like I'm going to flat out murder this person to save you like if yeah who is like technically a friend of shield you know but uh, under control like 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 like, like lincoln was clearly bluffing he's shocked and even says like she feels what her doubles feel like there's no way she would ever do that like it makes no sense it's like she didn't really have a choice yeah um but obviously uh alicia is not actually with them she's actually with ward and um the whole conversation that Lincoln has like afterwards makes more sense. Cause she's very clearly like physically like ill over the situation that she had to kill her double. Um, and doesn't matter because they're already in the badlands and they're going to go see James who is played by Axel Whitehead, who has a very like rock star name. Maybe he's a composer on the side. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it could be a rock star. It could be a composer. It could be like a four 
serial like like hero like, like, like i believe that that guy is exploring the jungles or or fighting a bad guy in space like axel mm-hmm. whitehead <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. i i would definitely believe that that's a stage name it might not be it might just Bad. be an aussie name because like, <laughs> i feel like aussies too it's like a lot of those names were made like like whether you were just someone who moved there or were there originally as a as a one as an eventually dissolved penal colony or whatever one of those <laughs> rare rare people because it's that's true it's the first the first group when it was New South Wales, the first group to settle from England was as a penal colony. Like, like I know that there's it's an overdone stereotype. No matter where you came from, like it feels like it was basically like the the old west. Like pe- people could just pick their own names, you yeah, know. And like like that might be why we got Axel Whiteheads and whatnot. Which which begs the question: Why is like Luke Mitchell not got a cooler name? And also, I know he goes by Mel, but literally, I will never stop thinking about the fact that like the the quote unquote coolest dude like in the 80s like biggest action star is named melvin like, like that's <laughs> it's just the, it's just a fact melvin gibson it's preposterous but it's true and and oh I, I i love that it's sort of like i don't know it makes, oh. it makes the racism thing uh, easier to handle <laughs> like, like i'd already i'd already lost respect for him so now Thinking about the Melvin thing, like it's like that just makes sense. It's just a piece of shit. You know, he's had a peak racist white man name. It um, sort of it so, does feel like right? it. <laughs> um, so Axel Whitehead is actually a musician, <gasps> and he was in the first season of Australian Idol in two thousand three. So, oh my god, Australian Idol is why we got him playing JD. Yes. That's amazing. Yep. Named after James Taylor, another yep. musician. Yep. <laughs> So, so yeah, he technically you know, be a composer. I mean, songs. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the but best. Anyway, that's the best tidbit. It's the best thing that he's Australian. So, um, uh, I almost said Chloe. Daisy asks him, "Are you drunk?" And he's like, "I'm Australian." So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and right into our show that he's Australian because uh, he wasn't Australian in the comics, correct? Right. <laughs> right, I mentioned that in the in the comics connection for the, our last episode. No, he is a hundred percent American, descended from an American cowboy. So now he's an Australian cowboy instead. But who lives in South Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been in South Dakota in the comics. <laughs> that part makes a little bit of sense. Oh my god, I just like how they're throwing shade at Australia, um in this small way because we've been doing that for how many episodes now and it's like they knew that we were going to have this show and throw shade at Australia all the time. Well, and, and theirs because is much official. more like stereotypical and lowbrow. Well, Australians like to drink. Oh, well, how about let's talk about how people like literally have to pay uh, protection schemes to go on. <laughs> <laughs> they're they the have, mafia. Of yeah, the egg mafia. <laughs> I love that there's no way to deal with it properly. <laughs> it's like if you run away, they might Yeah. Dead. If you stand if still, you stand still they climb. might climb up on you like a tree. <laughs> it's like, well, what you do is you try to please the guana however possible, because there are real masters. <laughs> oh my god. Or if you well, upset them, they'll climb up into a three a tree and vomit on you. I think I think it's because I recently watched The Prestige, but this is reminding me of my, my favorite short story. I love Kurt Vonnegut. I have tattooed on my arm, but Mm-hmm. He wrote, we wrote one short story that's like I think it's only three pages it's incredibly easy to read it's called uh, Thomas Edison's Shaggy Dog and it starts with a guy who's a cannibal and it's like he's <laughs> narrating to himself in a park 
and he meets uh, a guy who just who starts talking to him at, uh, at the park bench and he's like planning on eating this guy and killing him <laughs> or whatnot but but he ends up telling him his life story instead because his dog reminds him of the dog he, he knew growing up and and, and and he said when he was growing up he lived next door to thomas edison and he and he was friends with thomas edison's dog and it gets and, and like he starts the story by like saying he's not very smart too but 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 he ends up explaining that uh thomas edison once like pulled him into his house when he was like playing with his dog and tested his greatest invention on him his intelligence meter that like measured someone's intelligence okay. and he puts it in and he says that the needle barely moved when he put it on him because he was so, so so dumb but uh and then with edison like it went you know, all the way to the end of the chart. And he says, it must, it must not be working. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. Cause when I put it on my dog, like the needle, like spins around, like, like it goes off the charts. Like, like he's so smart. And they end up like having this conversation and he ends up like basically Thomas Edison from talking to the kid ends up like accusing his dog of faking being dumb. And eventually the dog locks the door and starts talking to them in English and is like, all right, you found me out. What the but fuck? He, no, he's, he's like, here's the deal. Dogs are your secret masters. Like, like, basically like the oh my God. masters of Australia is what made me think of it. It's like, like we have, we have trained people to take care of us like, like kings okay. and gods and love us and give us everything we want and you're not messing it up so i'm gonna help you with the filament for the light bulb and you're gonna shut up and you're gonna destroy this machine <laughs> so it says he did destroy <laughs> the machine and then like in passing like the the dumb cannibal tells the guy who he's telling his life story to or whatever he's like oh yeah like, oh yeah like like uh he destroyed the machine and you know a later a pack of uh like rabid like dogs killed his dog <laughs> for, for, for for telling humans like it's so it's such a weird amazing story i highly recommend it like and now i i can't help but really i i always just wish that were <laughs> the actual case that tom Edison were a fraud and he owed everything <laughs> to his dog oh my god um there's my where Australia. Are uh, where, are we? where are we? Hive. We get James. I'm drunk, so I'm Australian. So yeah, he called. I think he okay. he talked about how that bird has a bunch of suitors, which made me ask you before we were recording: Is Bird even Australian, or is this the writers overgeneralizing? <laughs> Any British colony, <laughs> same British idioms. <laughs> um. So apparently, so Hive is with her, and that's why he gives that. Bird has all kinds of men chasing after her. Um, and apparently James only gave Daisy one part of the Cree piece. Apparently there's another piece. Um, and he's kind of resisting and he's like, well, blah. I don't remember what he says. But basically she's like, you talk too much. And she breaks a tarot crystal on the floor. And um, James gets encompassed in the cocoon and they go outside. And um, James turns into some kind of like pyrotechnic in human. And um, he's like freaking out. He's like, oh, everything I'm touching is burning and things are exploding. And he's like, can't control his power. And then um, Hive connects to him and it immediately calms him down. And he's like, thank you. And he's like, we can't leave until you give us something. He can't even finish his sentence because James is like, I buried it. <laughs> so um, Daisy quakes a hole in the ground. In well, like the he buried house. it. Uh, yeah, he buried it under his like double wide. Like those things, I know they're they're uh portable or whatever, but like that wasn't a, a temporary setup. Like I also, guess how he, does she uh, quake a hole 
like in wood like the way she, no, like everything she, about like, it's very, very weird <laughs> can she very, like a uh, can she cut into things like with her vibrating powers well if she can vibrate someone and just let them hover in air and not shatter all of their bones or whatever then maybe she can like (laughs) make a punch a circle through a a wall but at what point is it just not telekinesis (laughs) (laughs) but i mean the same is exactly exactly can be said of Lincoln's uh, magical electricity, which reboots computers, reboots brains. I love <laughs> that one. He even is like acknowledges like we should not be doing this. I we do not know what's going to happen. <laughs> like at least yeah. that was said in that scene. But like no, they just have. It's not just them either. Like every superpower either becomes all purpose or super specialized. Like there's a character in X Men who I think. Briefly appeared in Dark Phoenix and uh, their like party in the woods scene. A character named Dazzler, who uh, she was originally envisioned as based on some model where she was going to be this. And, and, and like they released a record like to coincide with the first uh, miniseries for her because she was a, a musician in the Marvel universe who was a mutant, and her power is to make sound and delight. So she would have amazing concerts with these crazy laser light shows that would just. We didn't require any money or any special effects people. She would just do it along with the music coming out of the speakers and, and with her huh. own singing voice. And, <laughs> and, and, and like people would have her at one point when she's in the X-Men, you know, she just used her power to make lasers and she'd shoot like a laser gun out of her hand, basically by singing or, or with that, whatever sound was available. And then other times she'd make lighting effects or holograms or whatever. It's like, just pick a freaking application and use it or don't. But like, not everything needs to be everything. Not everything yeah. needs to be able to like, oh, it's hard light holograms. That's nonsense. Yeah. Light light moves like wave, like a wave and like particle. It's two things at the same time, but it's not uh, solid ever. We don't <laughs> we don't ride on it. <laughs> we can't be lifted up by it. Electricity also. No one's yeah. ever like climbed up a lightning bolt. So pretty <laughs> sure pretty sure uh and we're has an earthquake ever punched a hole through a tree? Pretty, pretty <laughs> sure. I, 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 I love it. Like how it, they had it. Like oh, it's breaking my own bones, but I can lift up someone else and like gently set them down. <laughs> like what? <laughs> or catch someone? Oof. Some of that's a real stretch. Very but uh, so she punches her magic perfect hole through the through the floor, which I guess. I guess it being under his place isn't a problem if he if he he buried it as soon as he moved from or got there from, from uh, afterlife. afterlife yeah. But it also feels like, how did Lincoln know exactly where to find him? Like, why didn't they just retrieve it? Also, <laughs> how did he like escape with something that big without like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, uh, there's a lot of weirdness him. around this. this I'm imagining him with like a giant piece of like, like rolling luggage, like right, like, but also not rolling it, like like holding it, like Fuck hold- you guys, I'm out of here. Like a, a huge, a huge suitcase in yeah. both arms and running, yeah, <laughs> or with a rolly, like running with it behind him. Like- well, am, am I crazy, or do they even have like we don't know where afterlife is? We have to be teleported in by Gordon. Like even the people there didn't know where they were. So how did like, he escape? Yeah, like did he escape? He had no passport or whatever. Like he just. Like, <laughs> Are we supposed to believe that his and Australian got to charm, South Dakota? And, yeah, his Australian charm and white supremacy got him all the way there. Oh so. my god! Wow, this is very. We're really dissecting this character here. You got to know. JT anyway, falls apart. Fall <laughs> in, apart. In, in a comic book, where his work. Yep. Show where his story makes those. Yep, <laughs> it just yep. doesn't work. 
Um, so we look into the hole and it's this big thing that looks like a snail shell. <laughs> and um the and 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 they're like, what is it? And Ward's like, it's the only thing that can destroy me. Which what? I don't remember this at all. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And also, like, I watched this episode today and paid attention. And I watched the previous episode that introduced JT. How does he know all this stuff about Alvius? <laughs> like, he stole this device and it talked to him. But just to him, I don't understand any of the his plot. It really doesn't work. Like, like we we just took it on space value, and I think the rest of the previous episode was was good, and so we just ignored that part of it, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's weird. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe he like stole a book out of Jaying's like room <laughs> or something, the- and he's like. Wow. Uh, he stole the Jedi texts. That's why yes, he's okay. He did. Yoda destroyed the tree. Spoilers <laughs> for the last Jedi. <laughs> so we go back to Romania, and um, they're like hanging out in the club still. And there's these guys that are staring at Fitzsimmons, and they're like, "Oh, I bet they work for the Doctor." So they go up to them and they ask to see the Doctor. They're like, "We're geneticists, and we have something that might interest him." And a woman comes up to them and is like, "Um, we can give it to me." And Mac, meanwhile, on comms is like, "This woman is heavily modified and." not expect and he's like i need to get out more <laughs> which leads me to believe that there's some uh some some racy things going on um uh but they they're like no we want to give it to dr radcliffe personally and she's like well i will go ask him and you can go wait over there and i will come get you if he wants to meet with you and she has one of those sci-fi touchscreen hologram computers but it's like it comes out of her forearm yeah. like like right <laughs> it comes up as schedule and she looks at this but also like the way those designs always look like so like extra ornate with like circuit board patterns and like and, and like in Battlestar where like like the corners are cut off you yeah. know like my iPhone like, doesn't look like that yeah, it's why, just like... why does it just look like, like like I get the hologram interface that's cool but it look like a fucking schedule like it should be yeah. a, it should just be an eye count it should just it's, be like <laughs> it just really cracks me up that it said schedule and she was like scrolling through schedule on her arm no, like it, it <laughs> this is, is what it's amazing. <laughs> um, it's like, I imagine like pulling up like Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to-do list, grocery list <laughs> on my arm. Searching um, for you know, <laughs> children's barber. <laughs> Maps. Oh my. Everything that we use our iPhones for, but on your arm. Um, so uh, this is the part where Luke Mitchell is like, she would never do herself. Whatever she feels, her doubles or she, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. she feels, you know, we already talked about it. Yeah, yeah. But Alicia wouldn't kill herself. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But his acting is so irritating because at the very end, he's like, we got to stop her. <laughs> like, Why don't you stop Hive? Like, don't stop her. <laughs> like, uh. Anyway, uh, Coulson <laughs> wants him out of the field and it's like, no, like, I, you can't do that. And then he says something that, to suggest that Daisy was his moral compass. And he's like, without Daisy, I, I don't know. Never mind. Okay. Yes, sir. Like, ew. Now I'm just a murderous alcoholic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this show's handling of Lincoln is problematic. It is a little bit of writing. Oh, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. but no, no, no. Are you mentioning his acting being like, like the weak part? The weak out stopper. Like, I, I now realize, like, He's just a gr- like like he would have been really good as playing Dennis the Menace with this energy if he was like an eight year old actor. Yeah, but like, but like he, but he's a grown man. <laughs> like, it's just like, 
Why does he sound? I'm just now imagining everything uh, Lincoln says and does as Dennis the Menace, as, as as the little piece of shit kid, but who's not actually a bad kid at all. He's just TV in the 50s version of a bad kid. So he's like, yeah. I collect frogs. And I, you know, <laughs> like, fuck you, kid. Like, for whatever reason. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm trying to look up to see if he was a child actor, but he was not. <laughs> uh, no, just, just in one of the more successful Australian soap operas. And I still... Yeah. I got to thank Aaron for, for telling us that because I do have to question if it's just the shitty accent thing. Cause like a lot of yeah. people can't do it and maybe he's putting all of his energy into not having an Australian accent. Why didn't just they just make him it. Australian then? Yeah. They made, they made another guy who lives in <laughs> South Dakota and is like based on a character from the American Southwest into an Australian. This was a brand new character. You're absolutely right. It is dumb. Like they took it like, hey, this guy is really successful in Australia. Let's make him do an American accent. <laughs> We've never seen him do that successfully. <laughs> the CW show was not renewed. Like, oh let, 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 let's do it. Let's give him the part. Wow. Yeah. Weird, weird choice, guys. Weird choices. <laughs> um, where, oh, so May is in the cockpit and feels like, hey. Like, uh, I forget what he asks her, but she's like, I just need a destination. Like, she's clearly very mad at him still, like, being very sassy. And he apologizes. Sorry about earlier and blah, blah, blah. And this is where they ha- he has, she has the line of Phil. You're not her father. And he says, no, but she's to a daughter. And then some what? random S.H.I.E.L.D. agent walks up and is like, we've sensed seismic activity in South Dakota. So and you're like, oh, Daisy. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do think, like, this is sort of what I was saying before, like, we're trying to sort of take accountability or apologize like by shooting Alicia for her. Like, I feel like this is him actually like saying it because yeah. it's not enough to just do his job yeah, and stop right. her from being killed. <laughs> right. Um, but also it just shows that like Coulson is just anti toxic masculinity. Like his character is just that because like, it's not, he's not trying to like, I feel like in any other show in this situation, like his character would have like, been like, well, I'm not apologizing. And they would have had this like stupid feud going on for the entire episode. But in this case, they have like a real human connection. Like they are friends. They're good friends, long term friends. And it is very in character for Colson to come and apologize and just put this behind them. Really and good have- observation. Like, like, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that even on a show that wouldn't have like gone as far to have him be an asshole about it. Like I could see them thinking like, oh, well, if he just gives her a nod and she gives him a nod back or whatever that yeah. works but it's like having him actually use the use words and be like like owning up to his own failures and, and apologizing like that's a like you said like it, it is very anti-toxic masculinity to have the boss apologizing to uh someone directly you know under him and like and owning up woman. to his own mistakes <laughs> yeah and someone who he always defers to like like, like they, they do a really good job of that again uh, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago like jeff Loeb like the culture that was generated on these shows in general is like really positive. Like as far as like representation and, and, and kind of like fighting toxic masculinity where when it is portrayed, it's portrayed as Talbot. <laughs> and it's not good. He's the wrong guy. Like it's the, on the do or do not do. Like yeah. he is well, and the then Talbot ends up as a villain eventually. So there you go. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. When he's at his best, he's still as a, as a oh. villain. Awful. When yeah. He's trying. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, wow. Um, I, do, I do love Adrian Pazdar, though. Uh, he's great. And I love that he was like briefly in this episode. Like, see. Yeah. Anyway. Um, back in Romania. Uh, I spelled Fitzsimmons wrong. 
I don't know why I'm still using Fitzsimmons because that's not a thing anymore, but it's easier for me to type. Um, they are like sitting in the bar and they're like, oh, my comms aren't working. We'll have to reset them. And Mac is like, wait, what? What? And they just turn the comms off and they start talking about their relationship. And Fitz compares it to the singularity. And Gemma's like, the, which a measurable variable becomes <laughs> She's like, are you comparing our relationship to crossing the event horizon? And I don't understand like, why well, the title like, of this episode is like, based well, on it. Like, well, yeah. Well, it's because I, I believe it's supposed because, to be. A, is, be, is it because Fitz is scared of them having sex? And so they had to title this episode that? Well, <laughs> that's definitely, I think, why they went with it. But I think it's supposed to be a really clever. Why it doesn't. It, but but specifically to the recruiting of Radcliffe, because the whole idea of transhumanism is, or posthumanism, like as a as both a sci-fi and real science, uh, it's 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 where speculative uh, science fiction and real science uh, and science theory kind of like come together, because like they both have the idea that eventually mankind's evolution of machines and self experimentation through both genetic modification and cybernetic modification like we're going to keep informing each other and we'll develop machines at an exponential rate and then they'll improve us and really yeah. like be it just be, spirals exponentially right <laughs> so and eventually like infinite yeah and eventually that the, the, the progress will overlap and we're, we're going to become the singularity and our own consciousness will be the same thing as technology and yeah. uh, and like Very so yeah, I, I do think like it's it still though, even though that is sort of clever of them, it's like that's not the main plot. Like <laughs> like, like like when I when I saw on the Wikipedia when I was like looking at everything uh earlier when we were looking at the episodes we were gonna be, be watching, uh I, I was like, wait, this isn't an episode later? Like this isn't an yeah. episode when they're in the framework. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I was kind of thinking with like you know, it sounds is... like Ada. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, it's a weird choice for a couple of reasons. Yeah, it's not a the bad only thing, choice. The only thing I can think of is the conversation at the very end when Radcliffe and and Ward are kind of talk or Hive are kind of talking about how like in humans or the 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 Cree were like light years ahead in technology, and now Hive wants to create this experiment that will maybe eventually give them the singularity. No, and I think kind of, I think that's kind of the start of Radcliffe's like crazy AI thing, right? No, I think you're right, and I think that, that does make sense. Interesting. Like, it's another one of those things we talked about since the first season that some of the long game stuff really does seem to have been planted super, super early. Yeah, and but I, I still don't understand why this would be the episode title for this. I don't know. Well, <laughs> you can even relate like... a singularity because a singularity, the idea is of something that is so has so much mass it collapses in on itself mm. and like so i feel like on some level you could think of like if the earth is taken over by hive and every living thing is under his control then it's basically one giant thing it's like then our consciousness yeah. has become its own form of a singularity is taking on a, 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 another meeting which is what the event horizon meaning yeah. that, that uh Simmons mentioned was versus the technological or or uh, AI uh, form of singularity. So I think it's supposed to have like a like a double meaning and have like one of those being applied metaphorically, sort of. But it's yeah. it's just it's very interesting. Like I, I don't think there's it's an interesting choice. It's not like a poor one because it does directly relate to the episode, but it still feels like just like a like like somewhat random one. Yeah. Like 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 what might as well cool. take in like a. A Mac quote or something. Yeah, but. and it's also odd that the actual the title is introduced in a in a conversation between 
about their relationship and how they're just like completing it. And it's like it, it's odd that this like you said, it's not the focus like of the episode, said, right? It's, yeah, it's like that's not the focus of the episode. The focus of the episode is like getting to Radcliffe because, and then ha- failing <laughs> because because of Hive's like hold over these Inhumans. So it's like very interesting. I don't know. Like it was just weird. The I, it's weird. It I'm is. Weird. But anyway, Fitz and Simmons are overthinking their relationship, and it's very in character. Um, and they are interrupted yet again because Radcliffe's secretary comes up and is like, the doctor will now see you. And so she takes them to a surgical suite. And um, she's like, the doctor wants you to install them, install this eye. It's an eye, by the way, made by Cybertech, um, in this human. Um, and, the, and Gemma turns around and is like, this is very unethical. And Fit says, we've done far more questionable things for our employer, which is very true. <laughs> Um, and Gemma like goes up and stabs the, the patient in the eye with an, with a, um, anesthetic and the man is Radcliffe and apparently his eye is a prosthetic and Radcliffe is on Hannah. Um, and Radcliffe is like, yeah, the eye technology is great, but it's like done. Cybertech already did something and they were owned by Hydra <laughs> and Fitz is like, well, we're shield. And he's like, it's the same thing. Um, and then he realizes that they're on comms with someone. And so the secretary destroys the comms. Um, and then they start dragging Gemma away. And Fitz says something about the inhumans. And Radcliffe is like, wait, the inhumans are real? And then Fitz, in a feat of excellent hand-to-hand combat, knocks out the bodyguard with the briefcase that has the eye in it and is like, please just listen to me. Hear me out. Um, and so he appeals to Radcliffe's curiosity about inhumans. And he's like, yeah, like we need you to come up with a cure and we need you to save our friend. And then as if on cue, Daisy walks in and quakes everybody. Um Hive shows up behind Simmons and eats the man that's with Simmons. And then James shows up at the bar and starts showing off the powers. And he lights a bunch of drinks on fire. And he tells them that this is a very interesting bar, but you're playing dress up. (laughs) Like, you guys can't do this. Um, And Max shows up and sees James at the bar. Um, So Daisy takes out everybody in the room and she takes Radcliffe. And then she quakes Fitz against the wall and is like, we need to talk stop trying to save me meanwhile she's like basically holding uh this vibration against his throat so he can't breathe (laughs) and um she tells Fitz like I saw someone on our team die is your last warning next time I snap your neck meanwhile while all this is going on Hive is talking to Gemma as Will (laughs) which is such a mind fuck and she's like like you might like you've might have stolen his memories, but Will is dead. And um Hive mentions says, you know, it's in your best interest to stay away. And he like starts to touch her face and she shoots him in the gut like four times and then runs away, which is so happy. <laughs> no, it was pretty it was pretty great. And and with the second viewing, like with the super, super gross idea that Fitz fielded in the most recent season that will was a zombie already like if that's the case that makes this shooting him even better Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like she's getting some like hey i get to shoot you in the gut (laughs) and we know he feels even oh that scene was just awful like Gemma, the look on Gemma's face is like disgust but also like pain (laughs) and longing like 
the dude that you hate the most, Ward, is like speaking to you as your ex-boyfriend, your dead ex-boyfriend. Who, no matter what, even without having had that thought put in her head yet, still like was possessed by this monster and was hydra. There's yeah. a lot of complex shit going on. Yeah. And she's trying to move forward and be with Fitz, but this is haunting her like big mind fuck. I feel bad. I'm so glad she no, got to And him. Ward like manipulated the fact that she had a little brush on him but before like there's a lot of like layered oh, yeah. history about that God. it's gross um so meanwhile um james is trying to pick out his superhero name with mac and the mac is so annoyed he's like rolling his eyes he's so done with this all this alien shit and um he gets away and he meets simmons at the rendezvous point and Fitz still isn't there and she's like well we have to go get him and he's like no like stay here he'll come like otherwise we're going to be doing this all night and um she starts talking about how I, I forget what she says but basically he's like you know how many times bobby and hunter pulled the my comms are broken trick like i know what's going on between you guys and um she's like well i guess it's really new and he says no, is it which is yeah yes that was a great moment oh, which i forget that like i totally forgot that him and fitz had this connection and like he was super protective of fitz like at for at Gemma's expense because he felt like she was not treating him right, and now here they are together, <laughs> supporting each other. Well, yeah, and like like you like you said this episode like they all have these unique relationships and it's really cool it, it, just to see that part of, uh, of their relationship come back and like yeah. that's they do it in organic moments on the show like they don't force people that work together for weird reasons or forced moments of, of connection and recollection. Like this was just a, like, like there wasn't anything cute. And even when they do do it like really overtly, it makes sense in the story. Like when they did the, uh, the code, when they, when we have the reappearance of uh, Hunter later, like the, the football code, you know, it's like, I don't know. They, they, they build on what's come before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We skipped this part. I'll just talk about it real quick and then we'll go back to Malik. Um, uh, so, um, Colson and May are show up at South Dakota because they realize that like Ward has gotten gotten to Alicia, so they're trying to go after James. This happened before all this stuff happened in Romania, um, and they find like cocoon husks on the ground and in, and they find the hole in the floor, and they realize that there's explosives rigged up, and so they jump into the hole. May and him jump into the hole because there's no way they can get out in time, and Colson uses his shield for the first time. Like that comes out of his hand and May's like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, I thought it would be cool if the director of shield had a shield, <laughs> which makes me so happy. No, it, it is. And like, it sort of feels like something that they should have mentioned. Uh, Captain America. Yeah. Like, like, I was like, kind of sad. Like, that there's no it. reason not to. This isn't a flick show. They're not, they're not like dancing. He could have just, just been like, I thought it would be cool if the director of shield had a shield. Plus, it's like caps or something like that. You know, it could have been super quick. It's like like that would have just worked. Like yeah. because we know he's a giant fanboy. He said he had freaking cap trading cards. <laughs> no. But it, it's a minor complaint on my part. It does yeah. it them not saying not name checking cap at all, or at least a little bit more yeah. directly, felt like a Netflix show move. Like yes. they're afraid to acknowledge, which they've never been. Even towards the end, they haven't been afraid to acknowledge connections. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Have they really dropped all of the MCU? Like, I'm pretty much. Like, other, like, like that, they'll mention Fury and yeah, they mention stuff it, still. Yeah. They mention the uh, they mention events, but they don't 
really mention anything new that happens. Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, um, they're in Coulson's office and um, Talbot calls and apparently Malik really did give them all the tell about Hydra because Talik is about to take down Hydra's infrastructure now and, and they're going to watch. And Talbot says the head has been cut. Ah! Uh, meanwhile, back in Romania, Fitz turns and I don't know where Matt goes, but he goes somewhere and he's like, we've got a lot to talk about. And they finally start making out and they're going to have sex. Yay. <laughs> and there's a really cute scene where her hands are and she's like can you manage it or whatever he says it's really silly and cute any other show it would be super cheesy but it, because it's the two of them it totally works. they're just like silly cheesy people. um at the very end scene is james is still trying to figure out, figure out his and radcliffe is with them and he's like has hands and handcuffs and he's fascinated by them you guys are all in it's like he's a groupie with a band um and basically hive wants uh his help in creating recreating the kree experiment that made him and apparently he bought a whole town with malik's 95 million dollars so that's yeah he said both he, asked him, about like, the money. he asked him if he bought like a building or whatever and he says yeah. about the whole town yeah so that's why it's funny that the, the money thing is mentioned in the end scene the last episode and this episode like all right, whatever. Everything's tying together. Nothing's is it, wasted. Is this scene or the previous one where James mentions Hellfire? Yeah, he. Meant, I think it's this one. Th- that's what he ends up going yeah. with. And again, as I mentioned in the previous one, uh, I don't think the episode the, right before this, but the one before that, that he uh, uh, he's connected to Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't make any sense yeah. in the comics. So, but but at least like there's a direct connection with Hellfire. So. Good. It's a good name for a guy who touches stuff and they catch fire and explodes. But it's a great name. But actually, is Hellfire. But again, that would would have made sense if he had anything to do with any character that had anything to do with Hellfire. <laughs> <laughs> All very weird. So the one comic connection for this episode is uh, our character of Doctor Radcliffe, and it's awesome. It is. It let me down one of those weird comic. I knew it, but I also couldn't from because it's not. Not even in anything major. He's only had five appearances uh, in every issue of 2005's Machine Teen, uh, a, a comic <laughs> book. Uh, so Machine Teen was sort of a reimagining, uh, launched, I believe it is part of the Tsunami line, uh, which came out in 2005. There was uh, Machine Teen and a Namor series that was done uh, in the style of like uh, a manga about him being a child who you know met a human girl and he's half human and half Atlantean and they became friends on the beach. And uh, there was also a book about the human torch that was done in the, that was drawn by a guy named Scotty Young, who now is much more like prolific in the comics community. And does, he does all these variant covers for Marvel and other uh, stuff as well, including star Wars. Where he does like the little kid versions where they're like really, really cute cartoony child versions of the characters playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did this human torch series, but the one of them was called Machine Teen, and uh, it's a reimagining of a character named Machine Man. And this was written by Mark Sumerak and drawn by Mike Hawthorne. So they created the character, uh, and uh, the character of of uh, Holden Radcliffe is the bad guy in this story of an AI uh, robot teenager, kind of like <laughs> a, a story of his self discovery. And uh, so he first appeared in Machine Teen number one in July of 2005, and he died in Machine Teen number five 
in November of 2005. Never had any other appearances uh, other than Shield's adaptation. Here's where it gets cool, though, for me, and weirdly comic booky. Uh, Dr. Aaron Isaacs is the creator of Machine Teen, and the whole story of him creating him, it's all a, a, an homage or a sort, sort of replication, even though it doesn't actually retcon or replace anything, of, a, of this character called Machine Man, who is a robot or an android named X-51, and he, was, he is named Aaron Stack and created by a guy named Abel Stack. So this dude Aaron, uh, who created Machine Teen, is sort of inspired by him. Machine Teen is a sort of similar to this character machine man it's machine man's origins that get super uh, interesting to me because machine man was be super prolific everybody everybody knows that but toward the end of his career he stopped making superhero stuff and started doing more experimental stuff. one of those is the eternals which is more about like uh, some ideas he had about how mythology could have been about beings we don't understand but still right. not about gods because he didn't really believe in gods and was a very interesting dude and it became a superhero book more after it, it became just part of the larger Marvel universe. But originally, like in it, it refers to the Hulk as like a comic book character, and somebody <laughs> makes a robot of the Hulk because Marvel wanted it to cross over with com- with Marvel comics, but he didn't want it to take place in the Marvel universe. And like they right. had to like drag it, kicking and screaming in. But at one point, he he started off by doing the comic book adaptation for two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. Uh, it was something that was, uh, I, I believe. He was sort of handpicked uh, to do it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, like Kubrick really liked him, and Kubrick had uh, liked the novel by Arthur Clarke that it was that he based the film on. So he went to Kirby to first adapt it, and then they kept the license and they kept doing it. Like like after the movie, after the first issue or first two issues adapted the movie, they just made it a series, and Jack Kirby kept doing it. And uh, several issues in he created machine man who was actually, I believe in the first appearance, just uh, he was referred to as Mr. Machine. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, he was first appeared in two th- uh, in 2001, a space odyssey number eight in July, 1977 created by Jack Kirby. And uh, he went on to be, to join the Marvel universe first appearing in this anthology series adapted where instead of existing in an alternate future, as Mr. Machine, he was part of the mainstream Marvel universe as Machine Man, and he's still around in the Iron Man comics like today. Uh, he's part of a really interesting and like well-regarded run. I recommend anyone who likes weird comic book stuff and humor. Uh, it's called Next Wave by Wallace and Stuart Eminent. It's beautifully illustrated, and also one of the best comics featuring Monica Rambeau, uh, the daughter of of uh, Maria Rambeau from Captain Marvel, who's also going to be in the new. Vision and Scarlet Witch show on yes. Disney Plus. I'm excited to see adult her and hope that she's not only going to be on TV. There's no reason for her to be because of the way it is now. Like, so hopefully she'll she'll be an on screen superhero as well in the films. But yeah. uh, but no, it's just this really weird, uh, super strange connection that <laughs> our our favorite dude uh, from the Mummy uh, was actually playing a character who has an like a tangential connection to uh to 2001 a space odyssey stanley yeah that's so weird <laughs> it really really it's like it makes little to no sense <laughs> it's like super like pop culture like uh like deep, deep it is cut. like the idea was that kept like having to do with the monolith like mm-hmm. it's in it's in the film uh 
2001. Like right. he's he's a Mr. Machine is an is advanced robot called X51, and all other robots go on a rampage when they when they achieve sentience. It's a ter- Terminator <laughs> okay. Two story, right? But he's the one because his the creator Dr. Abel Stack loved him truly. Pinocchio, basically, he has a soul, and he touches the monolith, and it, he transcends the like desire to kill humans uh, that came with sentience for all the other robots. And it's just like, hey, I'm better than everybody else, and pacifist or whatever. So he uh, he continues on after uh, army. The army tries to destroy uh, him, and does destroy all the other robots because right. well, I mean, they're they're killing everybody. <laughs> so it's hard to get too mad at the army <laughs> but Fair. from his perspective it sucks <laughs> but uh i i love that character machine teen is so obscure like i think he ended up the, the character of machine teen ended up reappearing in a in a avengers academy comic like teenagers and uh, sidekicks were like training to be full-fledged superheroes uh with avengers and yeah, uh, like I said, the character that he's directly based on, the John's character, uh, only appeared five comics in two thousand five. <laughs> so it's it, it it's like the the Mike Peterson thing almost. Where this one though, they've got more in common than just looking a little bit alike. Like right. he is a uh, well in that one he's specifically a roboticist, and in this he's a general catch-all sci-fi mad scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geneticist and roboticist. <laughs> he's Fitz Hansen. He is, he is. Pl- I feel like and it's then a, some, and then some. Right? I, I feel like it's a little bit extra noticeable because they went out of their way to like Fitz specialize and have Mac. He's an engineer and he knows stuff, but he doesn't know everything. Like, yeah, like they yeah. make those characters so grounded that then when they introduce other sci- general sci-fi mad scientist types, you're Wait, what? <laughs> like, like, why can yeah. they? I don't know. It, it it does make him, I guess, that much smarter. But it's also like, why can he do everything? That guy has worked at this point. Like, like spoilers to at least where you are. And I, I mean, he has everything super significant past where you caught up. But spoiler, I guess, in that in form of that. But like, he works with magic, genetics, <laughs> robots. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like what magic too? Like, that's always a limit. Like, always in in comics, it's like. Reed Richards is like, I don't understand magic. And Dr. Strange is like, ha, 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 magic is just another form of energy or whatever. It's like, no, this guy's like, oh, no, I can get it. I can crack it. Give me that book. I'm going to plug it into my robot machine. <laughs> it's like, what? What? Oh this guy's good at everything. That's true. I never even thought of, I didn't even think about that. It's kind of <laughs> no, great. It, it, it's it kind is of great. Like, it's like the mummy. It's like magic. <laughs> science like myth religion all in one <laughs> this is our connection <laughs> and i feel like it's the strength of his acting and oh, of yeah. like sleight of hand in yeah. the story because they do such a good job developing much but then yeah. get a shortcut like that where it's just like no he's like lex luther style like i'm a genius oh no at everything i won yeah. the nobel prize <laughs> for everything that year <laughs> like they just gave me the- <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but uh no i i feel like they they totally pulled that off because i didn't really notice it until thinking about it now and it's yeah. like usually i feel like that would stand out because it's so so analogous to the re- or, or not uh, so not analogous to the rest of the show so different i just but. i just feel like even just like having Ghost Rider and the dark in the same like story origin storyline is like so weird because like ghostwriter like ghostwriter in shield is like has this somewhat magical 
thing oh, yeah. going on. And it, then his fa- it, his uncle is like a scientist, like a physicist. There's basically two like, versions of Ghost Rider in the comics <laughs> that sort of coexist. And at this point, they downplayed the big revolution that Daniel Wayne introduced. And then Jay, uh, Jason Aaron actually made into a great story. But the, the twist was, it wasn't the devil. It was God all along. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's actually an angel. <laughs> what? Yeah. The devil enslaved an angel, right? And wow. like, so, 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 so every ghost writer is actually possessed by an avenging angel. And like, that was the twist. And wow. it was very silly. And like, I guess it still sort of counts, but they don't acknowledge it as, as much anymore. But either way, it's like, is that or it's just a straight up old school deal with the devil gone wrong? It's like, no matter what, it's super magic y. Yeah. <laughs> like, plugging that into, oh, remember the virtual reality matrix thing we did before? <laughs> gonna we're gonna stick that with magic so that way like it's basically like it basically made them a weird blue fairy thing where it was like we're making pinocchios into real boys it is and they made it work yeah they did it was like great all of it was great Um, how did they do that i think think season four is like my favorite season of all we've got to give like a lot of credit to to Mo and Jed, like they yeah, make, they make a lot of cliche shit. How work. can you pull that shit off? Like, but it was like 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 we said, like we didn't even think about it until like essentially today. <laughs> like, and the only show that's more comic booky, I think, that's on is, is uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I Doom Patrol sort of counts, but it's also extra extra. Weird. Like it's weird for the sake of being weird, and so is the comic. Like mm-hmm. I love it, but it it's not on the same scale <laughs> where like legends of tomorrow out does outdo shield in the weirdness, but it's also a little more tongue in cheek. Like, yeah. they, like they had a season finale hint the center around a character. I don't remember what his name was, but it was basically tickle me Elmo. It was a giant blue <laughs> stuffed animal that talked and, and it, it had been like the most popular Christmas tour or whatever, but like magic users made a giant like Godzilla like version of it. So it's like conquering the bad guys, saving the day. And one season finale, it's like, you couldn't quite pull that off on Shield. No. Like, give no. it if it would have lasted four more seasons, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but they weren't at that point. Oh my god! This show has everything: time travel, aliens, space, magic. Yeah, at this point, alternate dimensions now. AI. We, have, we yeah. got we, we got a fit. Wow. We got a deke yeah. that cannot be. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like straight out of X Men, man. Some of our fa- some some of the most popular X Men characters. Like side or side expert characters are from dimensions that now don't exist because they undid their own futures. <laughs> like it's like fucking weird. It's it so is weird. weird, but it's like extra comic booky and and yeah, the fact that like a bunch of people watch that way more than anyone gives them credit for. I love to throw shade at Shield, but like it's still going, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Like it's still not done. They got a year left. That's like that's rad. I know it is rad. Maybe we'll get um some Rathman in. Since since uh, Kevin Feige is now taking over Vision Aspect, we should write to him and be like, "You need to put Lloyd Rathman in something." It's what the people want. <laughs> Disney Plus, a Disney Plus Rathman series. <laughs> <laughs> people would. No one would understand. Rob Hubel would not understand that. No. All. He'd be like, "Wait, wait, wait." What? Jeff Loeb I mean, didn't want to bring him back, but maybe we. <laughs> he does have kids. So, I mean, he's definitely would take any job Marvel would throw at him, I'm sure, right? for the money and insurance alone. But, like, that at the reminds same time, me. Um, Chloe Bennett posted something on Instagram today, and it was like, she's posting all these like silly photos. And I guess she's selling t shirts or something. And she says something like, um, uh, like, oh, where is it? I got to find it. 
Oh, so she, her and um, the guy that Jeff uh, Jeff Ward, who plays Deke, they dressed yes. up as Mary Kate and Ashley from <laughs> one of one of their movies that I recognize the costumes, but I can't remember the name of the movie. They like play baseball and they're like twins that are like separated from birth or like like whatever. So <laughs> wait, wait. Up. I only saw. I think I saw like maybe three of those <laughs> when, when I when I babysat for kids or just yeah. when they were like on. I think it was like. It was before ABC Family. It yeah. might have just been Family, the Family Channel back then. Yeah, yeah. But but I, 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 weren't all of them about weren't yes. all of them the yes. parent trap? It's like it's yes. e- either they're twins separated at birth or they're not twins. Yeah, and they're they just, just doubles. Yeah. It's just like we got to make Kirstie Alley fall in love with Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. So anyway, they 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 dressed up as characters and she says i don't want to say all my dreams came true last night because i'm still single and i have no job currently but yeah all my <laughs> dreams came true <laughs> so give chloe bennett a job so she doesn't have to dress up as mary kate and ashley with jeff ward um, also her and jeff ward being actual friends makes me really happy <laughs> right because they are totally each other's cup of tea like they're so goofy and like ridiculous like it's perfect <laughs> well and just like just we thought we talked about like i think most we talked about it several times but i think most uh, in the one where we did a WonderCon. but yeah i i feel like just their their camaraderie and specifically it's it's not for everyone for a lot of reasons because i think like with the wrong uh click or the wrong group of friends like it can be you can turn actually nasty really quick mm-hmm. but, like the way they give shit to ian or the way they give shit to to uh, Jeff, and I I even think when we were there, I think like Ian made a made a reference to how Jeff like takes the heat now, like off yeah. of him. Like yeah. like I used to be the butt of a joke, and then Jeff no, came true. on. And it's, like, they, it's just so great to me. Like I they all could love each other, you know. I will never get over that Jeff was not in that episode, and he, <laughs> and he kept talking about it. <laughs> And he's like talking about his screen time. And like, 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 I didn't know all my scenes would be cut. Like, you know, that that's not even sort of true, or he wouldn't have tweeted it. Like, like, like but, but oh he had such God. a great attitude to make those jokes. Like, so good. Well, I think he wasn't in it until the third episode. I I, 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 and, we were keeping track, like, for a while. But he, but he would tweet about it every week. Like, yeah. he was really excited. <laughs> God. What a great sense of humor they have for sure. Yeah. Well, and like everyone who's, who's left the show seems to still have a great attitude. Like, uh, you know, like, like with uh, what's I can't uh, Nick Blood coming back, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I know that they, I know that there were talks to have Adrian Palicki come back in the past. Hopefully, yeah. she will for I the final. Like, I feel like Ming Na posted a photo with Adrian Palicki like Ooh. at her wedding or something like that. Oh. Like she, they, she went to her wedding, I believe, or like something. Or she posted a picture of their wedding was like congratulations. Like they're all still friends. Like that's really great. Yeah. That's nice you. to see. When like, yeah, I, I love I like Scott Grimes is my is the best part of uh of American Dad, which I, I family guy I haven't seen in years and years. Like the other day someone posted something about it and I was legitimately like, wait, I'd forgotten family guy was ever a thing. <laughs> I watched that for like Four years. I don't even remember it existing anymore. So wild. But but uh, but he was. If you look up Scott Grimes, uh, he he, did, he does a bunch of amazing parody, uh, like like uh, R and B songs on American Dad. But he had a really brief career. He was a one hit wonder. He was a white boy R and B singer when he was like what? fourteen, fifteen years old. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Look up Scott Grimes. It's amazing. And like, so, so he did that. Then he, when he did nothing for a while, like he ducked, ducked down and kept his head down. Then he was a character actor on like one of the later seasons of ER. He was the doctor who got fired for smoking pot while he was like a doctor. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like failing a drug test. But, but like, and then, then he's now uh, voices Steve on American Dad, where he plays the nerdy son and occasionally gets to bust out his amazing pipes. <laughs> wow! Sing, sing dead, dead on parodies. <laughs> uh, uh, what is right. it? Oh, is it uh, B twelve? I think or Boys Twelve is oh his uh, is 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 Stop. his boy ba- fake boy band. <laughs> so you got a shot of B twelve. <laughs> so annoying, but it's perfect uh yeah cool because it's what could what could be better than a boy band it's a boy band with 12 <laughs> 12 boys so the whole song every song is just the roll call over oh my over. god <laughs> but well, uh, he's i great. think we should i think we should end there before we start going down this path of boy bands oh it'll never end and celebrity connections um where can people find you on the internet People can find me probably uh, in a couple weeks before this episode posts. If you backtrack me on Twitter, I'll be tweeting about specifically Scott Grimes, this <laughs> boy banker uh, at Ice Know Nothing. Oh, <laughs> and you can find me at Space Chess for S's in the Jazz. I'm going to go retweet those as soon as you get that out. Um, and you can find this podcast uh, at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. If you're a browser listener, you can listen to us on butwhythepodcast.com or Podbean. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical and wacky place. <laughs> Catch you later. Bye. Oh, you're still muted. Wait, did you just do that? Yeah, I just did. Okay. <laughs> you like, you can't hear. I don't think you can hear me when I'm. Okay. I was like, oh no. I just like had that whole conversation. Okay.